Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. All right, well, Buccaneer fans, welcome back. We have a second straight down weekend, a bad performance by our Buccaneers. They go to Washington, lose 29-19. to That's their second loss in a row, coming out, first loss coming out of the bye. Very lackluster performance. You know, just didn't seem like they played with a lot of energy and enthusiasm. We're behind the entire game. Offensively, defensively, just lethargic, it seemed like, from all facets. You know, Tyler Taylor Heineke puts together, engineers a 10-and-a-half-minute drive to end the game and to put the Bucks out of their misery. Peter Blake, welcome in. Your thoughts after yeah. a second straight loss to the Washington football team. It was a miserable game to watch. The defense couldn't get off the field on third down. Washington was 11 for 19. Brady didn't have the best game of his career the defense, uh, once again, was not that good. You had turnovers in the first half. I mean, everything that could go wrong went wrong. And you're thinking, look, this team is going to be ready to play. And they weren't. So this is not only on those players, but also on this coaching staff. And B.A. said it this week. He has a dumb football team. This football team better get it together because they had the New York football giants who, you know, consequently, by the way, gave the Bucks everything they could handle last year on Monday night in a primetime game at home. They play better at home, but they better, you know, put some of these mistakes back into uh, into the rear view at this point if they want to win some football games. Because areas, with, areas with some interesting comments. You said they had a great week of practice leading into the game in Washington. He really was surprised that they didn't play well. Then he had some some critical, not say critical, but he had some, you know, pointed comments to Tom Brady after the game you know, about the, you know, that he kept checking the ball down too much, which he did. Tom, give, Tom was checking it down an awful lot. He got hit early on that first drive of the game. He got hit pretty good. And you wonder if that just, I don't know, got him flustered or got him out of rhythm, but he was right. checking it down a lot to, to Bernard and, and Leonard Fournette. Um, you know, finally threw a nice ball to Evans, what, early fourth quarter to get him within three. And then that's when the drive started, the 10 and a half minute drive. So use your thoughts about grading the offense on Sunday. It was disappointing. I mean, a lot of checkdowns, a lot of checkdowns to Leonard Fournette, very boring offense, uh, you know, watching it, trying to cover it. It was just, it was, it was absolutely awful. Chris Godwin coming in, not a hundred percent still going out there and playing, but he wasn't a hundred percent. It showed and guys just not beating, you know, their matchups besides the Mike Evans and what you see in that game. And what you hear is that Mike Evans was open, but Brady was just trying to get rid of the ball and he was just a little bit gun shy and, who could blame him if Jonathan Allen puts a good lick on you and hits you in the ribs? Uh, you're going to think twice about standing <laughs> back in that pocket. So everybody collectively, offensively, defensively, special teams has to do a better job if you want to be uh, back in the postseason. If not, then uh, you're just going to be one of those teams that won the Super Bowl and the next year had a Super Bowl hangover. 
And I don't think, I, I, again, I, I think people probably, we're probably jumping to, to some conclusions we don't probably need to jump to at this point. They, yeah, they've lost two in a row. Have they played great for long periods of time? No, but they've had moments where they played really well. On the injury front, two, two key injuries from the game Sunday. You had Richard Sherman obviously got injured in pregame warmups with a calf. Sounds like he's going to be out several weeks because, you know, calf injuries are not one- and two-week deals. Those are typically four- and five weeks to get a calf back. Obviously, at his advanced age, he's kind of been an injury issue ever since he's been with the Buccaneers. And then Vita Vea, which kind of got some good news. He got carted off, but we all thought it was going to be something really major, and it sounds like it's maybe something he might be out a week or two, but not season-ending. Yeah, absolutely. Got a break there. You dodged a bullet with Vea only missing a couple weeks. So Nacho's going to have to step up. A Steve McClendon, who's been inactive the last couple weeks, so he'll yeah. have to step up. William Golston, they're going to have to do a better job of getting after the passer, although they have five sacks. You know, kind of crickets right now with JPP. I get it. He's dealing with an injury. Shaq Barrett, you know, that offensive line of Washington is not great. And right. neither is this Giants offensive line. So hopefully those guys, especially a JPP, has a big night. But you're exactly right. Uh, you got a break there with Vea going out only a couple weeks. And then Richard Sherman, you know, disappointing. Because here's a player who's 33 years old. I get it. He's got veteran leadership. But he's an upgrade over what you have. He's an upgrade over a D Delaney. And he hasn't been able to contribute. Only right. starting three games. Now with that calf injury, the same injury, Jason Powers, that put him out of action for the San Francisco 49ers, right. which... Maybe the reason why he was out there is a free agent. So what you got to do is at the end of the day, you got to get healthy. You got to get healthy with Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski. They could play on Monday night, although we've heard that the last couple of weeks and hopefully SMB Carlton Davis, right. Uh, those guys can get back because uh, it's been a brutal year for injuries. Yeah. I mean, Murphy Bunning's been taken off of IR. He practiced last week. He kind of wasn't ready to play in the game yet. But you say so you hope maybe this week he's ready to play. Scotty Miller, the same wheel deal. Because yep. without Antonio Brown, they've really not gotten much out of that third wide receiver. Tyler Johnson didn't get many balls. You know, the tight end situation, OJ jumped off sides early. Great caught a touchdown, but he really didn't have any, you know, they really didn't hit the, they weren't really even looking at the tight end much on Sunday. So Gronk is just a guy that eats up some coverage. Even if he's not catching a bunch of balls, he's occupying attention of, safeties and, and linebackers in the middle of the field yeah and you got the good and the bad Jalen Darden being a rookie out of North Texas he catches a pass and then yeah. you know, oh lays it fumbles it and then yeah. he catches a 29 yarder so there's potential there but you got to go through those bumps with the rookie and that's the tough thing you know the Bucks didn't think that they were going to have to depend on players in that back end uh their third fourth you know fifth guys they didn't yeah. think they're going to have to depend on a rookie to come in and be your third wide receiver but you got plenty of time to pull it you know, together. You just yep. got to start doing it. Yeah, I think if you're the Bucks, I think you do everything you can to get Richard Sherman absolutely healthy for the last couple of games of the year going into the playoffs because you're going to need that third. and He's going to probably be your third third corner. You know, you, you if, if, if everybody's back healthy, SMB, Davis, Sherman would be a perfect third corner for the Bucs heading. So if, if I'm the Bucs, I really let go, Richard Sherman over get, get over healthy. Right. Whenever you think he's healthy, add another week at minimum because this is a guy that you need for the stretch drive, especially come playoff time. The good thing is the Bucks schedule is not terrible. You got Buffalo and Indianapolis in the next month or so. Those are about the only two games where you really think the Bucks could be challenged. The other the other five or six games on the schedule, so what, those, 
in the six and three, eight, they got eight more games. The other six are games that they really should win. I mean, you got yeah. Carolina twice, New Orleans, Atlanta, the Jets. Those are games you should win. And the Giants, obviously, Monday night. Yeah, but you should win. In the same game against the Washington football team. And of course you should be the Saints with a backup quarterback. So who knows at this point, we know how great this team can play. And we know that when this team doesn't play their game and they don't have that extra energy that BA was talking about this week, how they can look flat. And I think it's the most surprising and shocking thing is you had two weeks to prepare for Washington and you came out with that. Yeah. It's got to change. It's got to turn around. I think it will You've got Tom Brady. You've got enough weapons. You've got to get healthy on both sides of the ball. If you can do that, you're exactly right. You have Dean. You have Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy Bunting. Richard Sherman could be your fourth corner. Right. And that's a good thing. You know, that's a really good matchup to have. And that's what you look forward to. But the craziest thing here, Jason Powers, is that that back end hasn't been healthy all year long. In fact, I don't even think they played a game together healthy. It's amazing that they're six and three at this point. And it's a correlation to the front to the front four. You know, if, if the pressure's there, you don't have to be as good on the back end. The, Delaney doesn't have to cover as long. Mike Edwards, Whitehead, the safeties don't have to cover as long. So it's 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 all in unison that whole defensive effort. So all right, let's 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 move to the. We're gonna we'll give you a preview of the. Giants game at the end, but let's talk about the history of the Giants. The Giants come come to town this week. The Giants lead the overall series 15 to 8. Um, you know, the memorable one, which we'll talk about, is the playoff game in 2007. We, we'll get to that here in a little bit. But the Bucks' first win against the Giants comes in 1979. Ricky Bell with a huge game, 152 yards. They they win 31-3. Obviously, we all remember 79 was the first really ascension year of the Buccaneer franchise. The Bucs were deep into the playoffs. Doug Williams and company really got it going in 79, and then they thumped the Giants 31-3. Yeah, Ricky Bell, like you said, had a big game. Doug Williams, of course, and, you know, 9-3, and the best record in the NFC, and it's amazing turnaround from those two years of 0-26, so absolutely meant something, and it's always good to put it on the Giants because I don't have great memories about the Giants at all. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I mean, there's I only a few the Giants, and there's there's two reasons why I hate the Giants. That's Bill Parcells, because one, he left the Bucks at the altar in the early '90s, and then he did it again in 2002, which led to John Gruden, thankfully, with winning that Super Bowl. Uh, but Bill Parcells, a, a sore spot for me. Yeah, Not no, a- you're right. We'll, we'll get to Parcells here in a little bit, but yeah, the storied history of Parcells with the Giants, 1985. Parcells is the coach of the Giants. Lehman Bennett, we we lose to, we, we we actually beat the Giants. No, we lose to the Giants. Excuse me, 22-20. The Bucks go to zero and nine under Lehman's lemons back in the mid mid eighties. You know, one thing I want to talk about is in the eighties, the one player that dominated the eighties, he was a New York Giant, Lawrence Taylor. I remember some highlights of Taylor just almost decleating Steve DeBerg back in the day at, at the Meadowlands. I mean, he was just a absolute wrecking crew as an outside linebacker, Parcells, LT, Phil Sims, all that, that whole crew of the eighties. What a, that was a, that was a hell of a run they put together in the eighties led by Lawrence Taylor. And it could have been even worse uh, for teams out there offensively. You could have been giving offensive coordinators nightmares because they were supposedly going to draft Reggie White in one of those drafts, one of those supplement drafts. And instead they decided to draft the guard, I believe it was Zimmerman at the time, which okay. didn't necessarily work out. 
But can you imagine, Jason Powers, how dominating Lawrence Taylor was? And then on the other side, you have Reggie White as a player. They didn't do it, but you're exactly right. LT, the one of the greatest football players, not defensively, one of the greatest football players Absolutely. of all time. I and don't know who, if he can. I don't know if he can make it in this era. I, I don't. I don't. Oh, Lawrence Taylor would have been devastating. I yes. would have been devastating, but I think he would have been penalized a lot. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure he would have adjusted. But you're right, different brand of football as far as the ability to hit the quarterback certain ways and do certain things, but. Right. Just from a defensive coordinator's perspective or an offensive coordinator's perspective, what a what a nightmare to have to game plan around. You know, we think Vaughn Miller, these kind of guys are elite. Well, Lawrence Taylor was another, another level from th- these guys. Oh, I mean, yeah. back in the day. So, Crazy. Um, and, and let's talk about the right-hand man of one Bill Parcells in that whole 80s run. Seven, even starting in the 70s, guess who? One Bill Belichick was yeah. the right-hand man you had. And think of this, think of these names on this staff that, that the Giants accumulated during the 80s. Parcells, Belichick, Charlie Weiss, Romeo Crennel, Al Groh, just a who's who's name of offensive and defensive guys that later on became head coaches and very good defensive coordinators and all that in other places. And you could see that was evident. And you, you had the, the, the Giants, and I feel like Bill Belichick kind of took something from Bill Walsh with Tom Brady being his Joe Montana from that yeah. offense and took that defense from Bill Parcells and put it together. And that's why the Patriots to me were a perfect team, of course, in the two thousands with their dynasty, but you're exactly right. It started with Bill Belichick being under a Bill Parcells. And then of course, Belichick eventually having a Nick Saban and having other coaches yeah. under him. So Look, you know, people say coaches are not important. You know, players play, whatever else. You've got to have coaches. And to have all those collection of coaches, no wonder they were very successful in the 80s, the New York football giants. Yeah, they won two Super Bowls in 86 and then in 91. Here in Tampa, they won the Super Bowl, the famed Whitney Houston Super Bowl against the Buffalo Bills. I was there. Like we talked about in a previous episode, I was selling sodas for that Super Bowl when – the infamous Scott Norwood field goal went wide right, and the Giants with that ball control offense, O.J. Anderson and company grinded it out with Jeff Jeff Hostetler to win the Super Bowl and beat the K-Gun in the Buffalo Bills. Now, the very next year, because that's what I remember, and of course the Bucs playing you know, the Super Bowl champion, and this is what we always talk about, teams playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you're going to get your best effort. That game was close. In fact, if you remember, Jeff Hostetler – has to be uh, carried out. He broke a bone in his back. And I remember the ambulance coming out on the field. looked <laughs> like a neck injury. Phil Sims comes in. Of course, he won a Super Bowl in 86 with Parcells. They had their relationship. He comes in and wins the game. But I remember the Bucks, you know, giving Jeff Hostetler and the Giants everything they could handle. But of course, you know, good teams find ways to win. And the Giants did that day. But scary situation with Hostetler, of course, being a Super Bowl champion, coming in and filling in for a Phil Sims. Absolutely, and that was that was year that nine that next year was year one of Sam Weiss here in Tampa in '92. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, just uh, lots of I just remember a lot of those. And again, the famed Meadowlands. I, the Bucks didn't play up there a lot, but it was always the windy conditions. You always had windy conditions, and the Bucks were always tend to be a little overmatched when they would play the Giants, especially up in the Meadowlands. 
I know we're jumping around a little bit, but I remember 2006 where Gruden has rookie quarterback Bruce Grakowski, and here's a six-round pick, and he played pretty well. But make some sense of this, okay? Make, make it make sense, right? John Gruden's going up to the Meadowlands. You have these high winds, and what does he decide to do? Not run the ball. He decides to pass the ball 50 times in the win. It was a completely miserable day. The offensive line was absolutely atrocious. In fact, I remember who the left tackle was. I believe it was Luke Pettigoot, who was a uh, – Big Luke from Notre Dame. Who was a turnstile at that time. <laughs> And again, the game plan, you know, throw the ball 50 times a game in those wins makes no sense at all. That's just being stubborn at that point. And, being and guess stubborn. what? Luke, Pet- Luke Pettigrew was a cast off because he was a first round draft pick of the New York Giants. Of course. Notre Dame. Of course. And it was one of those, you know, veteran guys in free agency that you overpay for. Yep. I mean, you remember the other offensive tackle they got from the, uh, the San Francisco 49ers, I believe it was Derek Deese. He never played it down. He was disappointing. I mean, that's the reason why if I'm hiring John Gruden, which he'll probably never get a job, uh, maybe in Siberia if he's lucky, (laughs) uh, you never let this guy control the management there with the players because the player management, Charlie Gardner's, players like that that are washed up. I'm not saying he didn't hit on some free agents because he did, but guys like that, man, that are turnstiles, that are washed up, Tim Brown, you know, for a cup of coffee, and then he was gone. Yeah. That's the type of moves. And it, it was that year, 2006, Tim Brown was. And then, of course, this offensive lineman. So I never got <laughs> that game plan. Well, yeah, exactly. So, all right, let's go to 2003, Monday night, 2003. It's the first game post Keyshawn Johnson after the Bucks tell Keyshawn, go home for the rest of the year. We've had enough of you. We're going to pay you not to come to work. So uh, the Bucks win 19-13. Eli Manning throws for 500 in another game in 2012. But let's go back to Keyshawn Johnson. Mm. What was your recollection of what the, the Bucks' decision to send? And obviously, remember, we, we, we get Keyshawn from the Jets. We pay a boatload, two number ones. Sure. You know, number one piece, the number one pick in the draft with the Jets. We all think Keyshawn's going to be the savior. And not long after that, he gets sent packing by uh, John Gruden for conduct de- conduct detrimental. Yeah, yeah, and you always remember the conversation that Warren Sapp had with Keyshawn. Keyshawn goes to Sapp, says, "I can get you that seventeen to twenty points. Your defense, we we come together, we can make something happen." That first year, how many touchdowns did he have? One touchdown. I think he had like eighty or ninety receptions that year. They were just force feeding him the ball. I felt like he was overrated for two first round picks. I mean, at that time you could have got Plexico Burroughs yeah. out of Michigan state. Yeah. And that's who uh, I believe at the time the Steelers drafted. Yes. And, and you, you could have just stayed where you were at. And, and I get it. They wanted to make a big move. And at the time it made sense because Keyshawn wanted out. Give me the damn ball. Yeah. Yeah. He was somewhat of an elite receiver, but he was never one of those guys that was going to, you know, blow the top off right. the defense. Uh, right. He was a good possession receiver. Him getting into it with Gruden, it, it's not surprising at all because <laughs> what you learn about is, you know, Gruden's two-faced. Uh, Keyshawn wasn't getting the ball, wasn't happy. Uh, Keyshawn was a strong personality. And then on top of it, uh, Keenan McCardell, yep. another guy that he got into. So both of his wide receivers on that Super Bowl team were non-existent and you can see why Tampa Bay was taking a downfall at that but, point. But but Ke- Ke- Keenan was a perfect number 2 option here in Tampa. I oh. always liked the Keenan McCardell. 
He was a great little number two. He, he had, remember he had his long career in Jacksonville with he yeah. and Jimmy Smith. He, we got him at the tail end of his career, so he wasn't at his peak, but he was an excellent number two, number three guy here in Tampa Bay. Worked um, in John Gruden's offense, and then when yep. you had McCardell, you had Keyshawn Johnson, he had Joe Jarevicius. Right. I mean, who's stopping that? I mean, that's a pretty good Ken Dil- Ken Dilger at tight ends. Ricky Dudley, uh, Mike, Michael exactly. Pittman. I mean, they, Mike Alstott, who could forget him? I mean, you had a Antonio pretty, Bryant. Right. Antonio Bryant was there for a little bit, uh, a couple of years after the Super Bowl year, but that Super Bowl team with those three wide yep. receivers, it's tough. Very solid. Very, Very solid. Tough. Yep. All right. Before we got, get to the 2007 playoff game, we want to get to 2012. Yeah. Up in New York, Eli Manning torches the Bucks for 500 yards in a 41 34 win. That's the infamous Greg Schiano. We're not going to let him kneel down. We're going to play every play to the end where he tells the defensive lineman to go low on the offensive lineman when the game's over, which drew a ton of criticism around the league. You know, Schiano comes into Tampa trying to create this militaristic, disciplined approach. And it did not, that, that move flopped big time with the Buccaneer team. And that was kind of the, you know, I won't say the beginning of the end because it was only year one, but it was just, it got the franchise off to a bad look. That, that regime off to a bad start. Yeah, and it was an exciting game because there were yeah. offensive fireworks. He had Vincent Jackson coming in as a free agent. Of course, Josh Freeman there throwing. So you were thinking, you know what? Mike Sullivan, who was right. the offensive coordinator, former you know, giant, giant assistant. Giant assistant. Hey, we got something going on there. And then the embarrassing lack of respect. I right. get it. You're trying to come on, man. So, you know, stop trying to recreate the will there, Greg Ciano. It was complete amateur hour by him uh in that team instructing him to do that and tom coughlin let him know about it at the end of the game it was the story and, and if you're the buccaneer defensive lineman yeah. that's got to be a that's got to be a tough spot you put those guys in knowing he's sure. making the call to tell you to do that the gerald mccoy he's in the middle of the line defensive tackle he's sure. the one having to do that stuff what he's thinking when he when he knows i gotta go hit this guy low on the last play of the game it was kind of a red flag at that point. You know, going back to Facebook, you have those red flags. That was a big time red flag. We're like, oh, oh, maybe this is not necessarily the coach we need here. <laughs> Gotta win games, and sure enough, uh, he was not. Yeah, you're right. Not now, he, now he's he is back up at Rutgers, getting his ass kicked up there by uh, Wisconsin. I think fifty-four to three a week or so back. They yeah. did go to my I will uh, they did go to my alma mater, Indiana University, and go beat the Hoosiers badly last weekend. So they yeah, were Shiano's a college coach. That's where he needs to be is in college. I agree. And Jason Powers, Indiana's regressed this year. Woo! What happened? I mean, they were Woo! a national spotlight kind of last year. Man. And now they have regressed this year. And speaking of regression, we talked about an offensive game, but highly offensive. And this was in 1999. Do you remember this game? With Trent Dilfer throwing two pick sixes and them losing to the Giants 17 to 13. Just embarrassing with Trent Dilfer in that play. Do you remember that game? I don't, but you know, there was a lot of games with Trent Dilfer that unfortunately we wanted to forget back in the day. So all right, let's get to 2007. <laughs> the famous playoff game here in Tampa it was a wild card game. Uh, Bucks hosted, obviously. The Bucks had won the division. Uh, the Giants come a calling. Remember that was the 2007 year where the Patriots ran the ran the table in the regular season and went to the playoffs. And if you remember, before that wild card game, week 16 or week 17 with the bye week, the Patriots played the Giants in the last game of the regular season, and everybody thought, 
Are the Giants going to play hard? They'd already knew they were going to be the wild card. Are you going to rest guys for the wild card game? They took the Patriots to the wire, came up short, but give give the Giants and Coughlin credit. They played hard against the week before the playoff game. They gave everything they had against the Patriots, and they came down here, and they kind of manhandled us defensively. That front four was Strahan, Justin mm-hmm. Tuck, Human Yora. They were tough to handle, and they got they got the job done here in the wild card weekend. And it actually started out for the Bucs because they went down with uh, Jeff Garcia scored a touchdown. And you're thinking, you know what? You're at home. You can win this game. Maybe you make another run here. 2007, you're feeling good about yourself. And you're exactly right. That was the weakness for the Bucs, that defensive line. And, of course, that was the weakness for the New England Patriots and that undefeated year in Tom Brady with Justin Tuck, O.C., Michael Strahan, Cofield in the middle. They just got after it, and it was scary with the rotations they could throw and some of the things, uh, Matthias uh, Kiwanuka, yeah. easy for me to say, guys that could just get after it and they can continue to rotate and rotate in there. And uh, and that's the reason why they beat the Patriots. And unfortunately, and that's it, the reason why they beat the Bucs that day. And they, again, the famous, the obviously the 2007 year, they ruined the undefeated season by Brady and the Patriots. Yep. Remember they had Randy Moss, who had the record-breaking year at wide receiver. You had Eli, you had Plaxico Burris. You had our own TJ Reeves's radio partner, Tiki Barber, in the backfield, mm. getting busy in the backfield. So, I mean, T- Tiki and TJ working a bunch of games together this year in the college well, football. Tiki in the backfield there, or was it Brandon Jacobs and Ahmad Bradshaw? I think in 07 it was Tiki, I think. I'm pretty sure it was Tiki in 07. I'm going to bet you wings that it was Brandon Jacobs and Ahmad Bradshaw. Okay. you, you Wasn't that 2011? I think it was both. I would think it was both, both of them, because I'm looking at the notes right now. I'm looking at them, and they say Jacobs. And no Jacobs. Tiki Barber in 2007. I don't think so, buddy. No, okay. I don't. I, I thought don't. he won a Super Bowl, man, but I may, I may be wrong. I, I, we will have a we'll have a That's beverage. Why you on gotta that go one. to BuckPower.com and yes. this information right here. Paul Stewart does a hell of a job. Not the official. He should be the official historian for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but. Yeah, it looks like it was Brandon Jacobs. And I remember because Jacobs was a house, 265. Yeah, Auburn guy. Uh, yeah, but he played at either Northern Illinois or Southern, Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois. Transferred Southern and Illinois. played his last year at Southern Illinois, but he started at Auburn. Yes, played he did. At, and I think he played actually with Auburn. I think he played with Cadillac. I think he was on that one of the years he played with Cadillac Williams. If I, if I recall, I think he. I know Cadillac and Ronnie Brown played together. I think all three of them were together at one point at Auburn. All three of those guys, Cadillac, Ronnie Brown, Brandon Jacobs. Let's run the triple wishbone at that point. I mean, but yeah, I think, I think it was Jacobs and Amal Bradshaw at that point. And those two running backs, they showed up again in 2011. That's the reason why they had, you know, Eli was okay. He wasn't bad, but he was a DLG quarterback. Don't make any mistakes. Um, and of course, David Tyree with the, the amazing catch there. Cause if he doesn't have that catch, yep. maybe the Patriots win that super bowl, even with all their difficulties, uh, but they had that run game and that defense. And, and that is, look, that is, that is your, your formula. When you get to the postseason. if you can run the ball and you can play defense and your quarterback doesn't turn over the ball, you can win some games. And you got a and pass rush and yes. you have a really big a front and, and they, and what they were able to do that was so effective against the Patriots and everybody that year, they could rush four without having to blitz. 
Yes. Their front four was so good, they didn't have to blitz. Kind of like the Buccaneers. When we won the Super Bowl, we had the front four, the devastating front four. We didn't have to blitz. We could play that cover two, that that Tampa two, and not have to blitz. That's it. And sometimes you don't have to blitz. Uh, With this defense, of course, we're kind of spoiled being Bucs fans at this point and watching this team. We expect to blitz. But when you got four guys that are on that line, they can consistently get after the quarterback. Uh, you're, you're doing good. You're doing real good. And speaking of buckpower.com, we got to give a shout out. Our buddy, our man, Paul Stewart is in the United States of America. Yes. He's As in we are recording, yes. he has landed and he is partying on Clearwater beach tonight as we speak. Right. <laughs> oh my- so because you asked him to come on and he, and he didn't respond back and neither would I Jason Powers I would stay in Clearwater Beach rest and relax I mean you're buying us all wings tomorrow we're all gonna have some wings on you yeah, Just joking. Uh, <laughs> yeah don't don't come with the alley don't come with the alligator arms when the check comes tomorrow you better be don't be don't be coming with the alligator arms I love it. I love it. Yeah, the alligator robbers. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> when the check comes. Yeah, we don't want the alligator robbers, that's for sure. But in all seriousness, Paul Stewart is, is here for the week. He's going to be here for about seven, eight days. He's going to the Bucks game Monday night. Tampa, he hadn't been, I think he said he hasn't been to a game in like two and a half years, something mm-hmm. like that, because of all the COVID travel issues. He passed his COVID test. He is in the United States of America, Clearwater Beach. I think he's going to be at the tailgate party Monday night out at over at uh, Raymond James Stadium. So if you happen to run into Paul, Buccaneer fans, give a shout out to Paul Stewart. Again, unofficial historian, buckpower.com does such a great job putting this site together. He, he's allowing us to come on the air, being a part of his podcast network. And we're love very it. appreciative of that. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it reminds me of great memories, whether they won or lost. It takes me back to being a kid. I, I just love this podcast. I love it. Thank you, TJ Reeves and Paul. Absolutely. Yeah. Big shout out to TJ as well. All right. So we played the Giants last year. We'll get to two more things and then we'll get a preview. A very close game last year. Again, a situation similar to last week. Everybody thought the Bucs were going to go to New York last year and roll. That game ends up going down to the wire. And there's a controversial two-point conversion where there's not a penalty called when we, we have to be objective. It looked like the Buccaneer defensive back hooked them and it should have been a call and we get a break there in the last what 30 seconds of the game and we get out of there with a two-point w yeah very disappointing effort but of course the giants are going to play their toughest and uh look that line at the time the bucks were heavily favored big favorites a little bit flat uh daniel jones gave them difficulty uh he did throw uh i believe an interception in this game uh but you're exactly right antoine winfield at the time that's right Got away with the pass interference. Going back to that game, the couple years before, that's the bad taste in my mouth. You remember this. I'm Daniel at- Jones kills us at Raymond James. The first game of his career, and for some unknown reason, whether they have tape on him or not, rookie quarterbacks give the Bucks fits. This guy throws for over 300 yards. Of course, runs in for the fourth quarter touchdown. Jameis Winston gets Mike Evans on a long play. Matt Gay with a missed field goal, makeable field goal, Jason Powers. 25 yards, if I recall. 25 or 28 yards. Yes. And that was a critical loss in the Dirk Cutter era that really, you know, that's a game they had to win. And that was where Daniel Jones really killed us with his legs. If you remember, I think he ran like a 
25-yard quarterback draw, something like that, right up the middle of the end, right up the middle of the end zone. I remember him running in the end zone where Daniel, you're thinking, are you effing kidding me? You're letting yep. this guy run and beat the Buccaneers. And and I'm I'm sitting there and uh, I'm covering the game and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Everything and 32, and it was a 34-yard field goal. And you're like, this guy, he could, he's going to kick it. He's going to kick it. He kicked three field goals in the game, all right? And, and he's going to get it done, and he doesn't get it done. And it's just amazing to me that, you know, you can't get it done in crunch time. And uh, just, uh, yeah, three field goals. Actually, one, two, yeah, three field goals in the game. You're okay with him kicking that. And then he misses it, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I have to go on air and talk about it. And all everybody <laughs> wanted to talk about was Jameis Winston and the turnover because he turned over the ball, gave the momentum back to the Giants. Saquon Barkley went out in this game. Yep. Uh, he may be back in Monday night's Yes, football he will game. be. He's, he's so, back. Uh, it's uh, that game always just that's that one sting. That's a stinger for sure. That's a stinger, man. All right, let's get to Monday night. Let's get to the preview here. You mentioned it. Saquon Barkley's back. The Giants are really struggling. They're coming off a bye week, so they should be as healthy as they can probably be coming out of this bye week. You got Daniel Jones. You got year two of Joe Judge. I got to give a shout out to my buddy Anthony Blevins is an assistant coach with the Giants. I played college football with Anthony at UAB. He and I are buddies. So I want the, I want Anthony and his his unit to do well, but I don't want the, the Giants to win the game. So, but I'm very proud of Anthony. He's, he's worked really hard to get to the NFL. He's been in college. He's been in the NFL. Uh, he's, a, he's a DB, assistant DB, special teams guy. Great guy, great dude. But uh, so shout out to my boy, Anthony Blevins with the Giants. But let's get a preview of the game. A must-win game for the Buccaneers if you're Tampa Bay as far as the effort and the focus and the discipline. You should blow this team out by 10, 15, 20 points, honestly. And I don't care if they have Saquon, Kadarius, Tony. They have some weapons on this team. But Daniel Jones, ever since he beat the Bucs, is 10 and 24. He's a turnover machine. Get pressure on him. Possibly get back Antonio Brown and Gronk. The Bucs should blow them out. I think they will blow them out. On Monday night, they play better at home being 4-0 instead of 2-3 and on the road. So I like the Bucs big in this game. I agree. I think, again, I think you're going to see a very focused effort by the Buccaneers this shoot week. Remember, the Giants played a couple Monday nights ago in Kansas City and took the Chiefs all the way to the wire. You know, the, I know the Chiefs have been struggling offensively, so the Giants' defense is better than we think they are. They're better than their record says the defense is. And and give Daniel Jones credit. He's He's been less giving away of the ball this year than he has in previous years, but it's still a team that you should, we should beat comfortably. You mentioned it earlier. Their offensive line is not very good. This no. is a game, Shaq Barrett, JPP, Joe Tryon, the blitzing of Devin White, Levante. You got to get, you got to do some damage against this offensive line rushing the passer. You're absolutely right. And if you can do that and you can disrupt uh, Jones's timing, then you can get some turnovers. We've seen it. And we'll see it again on Monday night. I'm concerned about the Giants defense. Those big hosses, as my uncle would say in the middle, Dexter Lawrence out of Clemson, played well for them. Of course, Leonard Williams. Yeah. And then Ola Jerry on the outside just had a pass rushing specialist on, say, those two guys in the middle, those are not the guys you should be concerned about. It should be the rookie out of Georgia, Ola Jerry, with five and a half sacks. He can really get after it. So, you know, once again, that offensive line, they're going to have their hands full. They need to do a great job keeping Brady clean, and if they can do that, 
I think with all those offensive weapons returning for the Bucs, the sure. Bucs win this big. And let's run the ball a little bit. I want to see us establish yeah. the running game a little bit. Your yeah. boy, I don't even think your boy played last Sunday. He, if he played, it was like one snap. But Fournette pretty much – Fournette and Giovanni Bernard pretty much got all the touches as far as even the snaps in the game. I don't think Ronald Jones was in the game. He wasn't. He didn't get a snap. The victim of volume didn't get a snap. So try to mix in that running game. You know, 11 carries for 47 yards for Leonard Fournette is not going to get it done. You have to be more of a balanced offense. I would suggest getting Fournette, Jones, and Giovanni Bernard in the action. Get that running game going because once you get that running game going and you provide that balance, it makes that offense that much more dangerous. I'm going to go 34 17 bucks. I know I like to say that score a lot, but I think 30 comfortable win for the Buccaneers. Big crowd Monday night. I think you're going to see an electric crowd Monday night. We haven't been home in a while. Two road games in a row with a bye week in between. So the Buccaneer fans are going to be amped up and ready to go for prime time. I think you're going to see, again, a focused Tom Brady. You know, again, I think you're going to see a focused offense. And, a, and it's going to be, I won't say it's a rough week of practice, but it's going to be a very pointed week with the coaching staff to the players. They understand the importance of this game. We got a break last week a little bit. You had New Orleans lose. You had Arizona lose. So you're still only one game out of, the, of that number one seed. You know, there's a bunch of tiebreakers. Who, that's too early for tiebreakers. Rams lose uh, to the 49ers right. on Monday night. So everything that could go right for you went right for you. And other than us winning the game, the other right. teams we needed to lose lost. Correct. But you're one game out of you're one game out of the number one seed, which is a you're in a great spot. You got a good schedule ahead of you. And let's go kick their Giants. But there'll be a lot of New York fans in the crowd because there always is when the Giants come to town. So Buccaneer fans, don't sell your tickets to Giants fans. Sell yeah. them if you're going to sell them. Sell them to Buck fans. Okay, plenty of us out there looking for tickets, want tickets. Sell your tickets to a Buck fan. So, yeah, some to me. So, you know, I have to do the watch party on Monday night, but of course, I will be out there at Ducky Sports Lounge. My question is, Jason Powers, what are you doing on Monday night? Well, I, my plan is to be at Ducky's with you. There's a chance I could be going to the game. I'm waiting to hear something. I've got a couple feelers out, so there's a chance I could be at the game. But if I'm not at the game, I will be with you at Ducky's. We'll be doing some. Some pregame, halftime, and postgame stuff. If I'm there with you, I know I took last week off. I wasn't feeling it last week. I went on. I, I went on. Uh, I had a sabbatical. I had a one week <laughs> sabbatical. So, so please forgive me. I think the Bucks offense, the whole team had a sabbatical. They weren't feeling it either. I think <laughs> nobody was feeling it. We were sitting there eating our food, and we're like, I can't believe this is happening. Sixteen to six. You know, yeah. two two interceptions. It's never happened in Tom Brady's career. And it happens. Not that it was all his fault because a rookie decided to play Olay with the ball, but you get down early. It's just amazing. Uh, I don't think anybody was feeling it last week, including myself, including my PA system. It wasn't feeling it either. It didn't want to work. <laughs> all right, Buck fans. Appreciate you listening. Remember, we're part of the buckpower.com podcast network. Remember, subscribe, rate, and review. We're on all the podcast platforms out there. Google, Spotify, Apple, Tell a friend about our podcast. Uh, I'll be posting the video portion of our interview on my on my Powers on Sports uh, YouTube page. Peter, tell everybody where they can find John Line. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, find me online at NSPN on Facebook. Of course, I love St. Pete. It's the Sports Web Live on Monday and Wednesday nights at 9 o'clock. And also subscribe to the Sports Web on YouTube. Ever since we did that uh, Jake Paul 
uh, Tommy Fury press conference. It has been blowing blown up. up. I hear that's been unbelievable views on your with your with your coverage of that. So great job on that. Thank you. One hundred and thirteen thousand views and counting. I'm almost to a thousand subscribers, which means you can monetize. So definitely like and subscribe to Sports Web on YouTube and do three things for me here, as we always say on the show. Bring your passion. Bring your excitement. Just don't bring any nonsense. I'm your host, Peter Blake. Giving you something to think about. Yep, and remember, we'll be remember we and we will have a Thanksgiving week edition next week of the podcast. So after you, after you, after Peter, you've inhaled all your turkey and mashed potatoes that mom makes, and the in the cherry pie and the pumpkin pie. I expect you to be at full capacity for this podcast. I I want the fans. We got we we're going to see the Colts next week on the road, and you better be ready to bring the noise even after the tryptophan has set in. I absolutely will be, my friend, as, as, especially if I get my gravy because I had a real big-time issue with my mom not making gravy. I made a stink about it, so she's always going to have gravy with that turkey, those mashed potatoes, and, of course, those sweet potatoes. Uh, so good. They're yams. We just call them yams with the marshmallows, but we should do it Tuesday night. We'll do it Tuesday night. We are going to do it You're a little early because I'm not going to make Uncle TJ have to work on Thursday morning on Thanksgiving Day to post the podcast. Oh. So we're going to get it done a little a one day earlier next week. But Buck fans, enjoy the podcast. Football Thursday. Take a listen to the podcast while you're, before you take that nap. Tell your friends about us. We'd love to hear from you. You got comments at JPostSports. Peter Blake's on Twitter yeah, as well. Or, or listen listen to the podcast. And maybe you can take a nap after. Maybe, maybe there you go. Not, maybe it's not as entertaining. Maybe, maybe we'll, put you, not- we'll put you to sleep. We'll put you to sleep. Right there. It's your Sandman. Nice. <laughs> Six and three bucks. Let's make this seven and three buck fans. We'll see you next week. Indianapolis Colts. Here we go, Bucks. See you Monday night at Raymond James Stadium. See you next week. Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag buccaneer foe when we come back with another no-quarter-given podcast. And make sure for the best in historical buck coverage, you go to buckpower.com. And as always, keep listening to the buckpower.com podcast network.